Hello and welcome to episode 80 of the Good Good Golf Podcast. Rod Murray in the hot seat and raring to go as we turn our attention away from Tory Pines and the US Open and inward to the heartland of Australia and a story that captured the golf world a little less than seven weeks ago. It does, however, reflect a lot about this game and what it means to people and communities. Dunny Do Golf Club General Manager Ricky Bush and Club President Mark Gallagher will join us in just a moment to talk about the vandalism the club awoke to on April 29 and the roller coaster ride they've been on in the six weeks since. Before we head west, though, let's gaze inwards to the Sydney Podcast Studios complex, where we find co-host Adrian Logue rugged up and ready to go and ready to once again explore corners of the game where others fear to tread. Logue, welcome. Looking forward to chatting about golf in Dunny Doo, which is about as far from mm-hmm. what's unfolding in California as you could possibly bet. I'm going to lay a bet yep. that they don't have irrigation just for the rough at the Dunny Doo Golf Club. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think you're right. <laughs> If we can get into that, I'd be more than happy to chat about that later it, on. It will get a passing yep. mention, but ironically, it does sort of point to some of the things we're going to talk today about, yep. isn't it? About Absolutely. what, what yep. golf can be and what it's yep. actually become in so many ways. Let's stop faffing about with our city nonsense and meet some proper Australians, shall we? Mark Gallagher is the president of the Dunny Doo Golf Club and was on hand earlier this week when some major repairs were made to the course. Mark, good to have you aboard. Good morning, boys. How are you going? Yeah, not too bad, Thanks, all Mark. things considered. Could be worse. The coffee could be better. The coffee could be worse. Oh, coffees. Don't yeah, start coffees. me. Tastes like a hate crime. Yeah. <laughs> and Ricky Bush is the club's general manager and a sneaky good follow on Twitter, it has to be said, if yep. you're interested in 1980s Australian sport, horse racing and golf. Ricky, looking forward to the chat today, mate. Uh, yes, thanks very much for having me on, gents. Good morning. Good morning to you. Now, you really are rugged up. I'm guessing it's quite cool in Dunny Doo by the looks of things over Zoom. I want to start with you, Mark. I think we all remember the day the news broke about, I think it was about six weeks ago now, April 29. Uh, we might circle back to that and what happened at Dunny Doo and, and those sort of immediate feelings. But let's start with an update. I saw a picture of you on the internet oh, the last couple of days awkwardly rolling out a bit of turf. I think that was staged for the cameras. I don't think you would actually, that would be your technique. But a big moment for the club, I think, in this past week, a whole bunch of stuff got done. Tell us what's happening there at Dunny Doon. Yeah, well, it all started on uh, Monday when the uh, tractors and the trucks rolled in from Sydney, the central, from uh, uh, Western Sydney. Um, David Collis organised um, uh, all the turf farms to you know, band together and um, supply the golf course with um, 40,000 square metres of turf. So they rolled in on Monday and um, they prepped the ground. They were pretty impressed with the way that we had actually prepped the ground. And um, <clears throat> they uh, they done their little bit. And then on Tuesday afternoon, we had our first uh, – we had two, I think, um, 2,000 square metres came from Turf the Lot in Dubbo. And then on Wednesday, when the big, it was a big day, we laid, uh, I think we laid 28,000 square metres on Wednesday. There was about 100, 100 to 120 volunteers um, laid, um, yeah, 28,000 square metres of turf on Wednesday. And then on Thursday, in the pouring rain and uh, freezing conditions, we laid another 5,000, uh, 6,000 square metres. And um, then on Friday, we laid another 6,000 square metres. So uh, our fairways, nine, four, five and six, are now um, covered with um, beautiful cooch turf. Not to be disparaging, yeah. but has Dunny Doo ever had so much grass? Mm. <laughs> it's an extraordinary yes, amount the, of turf. <clears throat> yeah, well, our course is pretty uh, – well, it's pretty got, got good coverage of um, Kai Q. We uh, have – IQ and a few other grasses in there, but um, at the moment um, the, cur- the the fairways, those fairways, you know, look beautiful. Members are going to so, be afraid um, to take a divot there, Mark. Mm-hmm. It's like the first time you go to Metro down on the sandbelt in Melbourne. You're afraid to walk on the grass, let alone stick a golf club. It. Yeah. It's so nice. Yeah. Did, did you save? Did so, you save some of the best bits for where your drives normally end up, Mark? Is that- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. If only Mark knew where his drives were going to end Just up. His hand picking rolls all day long. So I, I've got this one. I'll take care of this. Yeah, that's exactly right. It points to something, Mark. You mentioned three or four different companies there. The rest. The response to this was astonishing. Just take us back quickly to April 29 and what had happened there and then what's happened since because it's been quite remarkable, hasn't it, and global, the response. Well, it has been. It's been like a, it's been a real roller coaster, really, and um, 
I've been waiting to get off it because uh, <laughs> you got a job. I'm don't absolutely, you? yeah, I'm worn out, and I've got a job to do. I'm a self-employed builder, and um, you know, it was one call from Gulf New South Wales, and um, on the morning of that, um, uh, that put me on, and uh, they actually put a story on, and then it was a phone call from Ray Hadley, Ray Hadley's office, and then. Um, Graham Collis come on board um, from Dad and Dave's Turf, and uh, he said, "Don't worry about it; we'll get get it fixed." And so he, uh, as I said, put all to, got all the rest of the turf fellas around uh, Richmond, Wiz, Windsor, and Picton. And actually, we got um, uh, what did we get? Uh, six B doubles from Queensland Turf. Wow. Um, uh, Jim Burra Turf and Australian Lawn Concepts um, sent down um, six B doubles as well. So it was just just amazing that this was going to happen. And, you know, we're sort of thinking, of, you know, how's all this going to work? But um, once, it, uh, once they turned up and put uh, the turf turned up, we got the vo- local volunteers community and people from the Central West turned up. Uh, we put it out there, and um, yeah, it was just amazing to see it all happen. Yeah, and a, a, yeah. We- a week later, you're aching to go back to work, where the days are a bit easier. <laughs> no. Yeah, that's exactly that's exactly the, right. Than what you've been. Um, what you've so been. our biggest, and you know, it just didn't happen last week. Uh, this has been ongoing, as you said. It happened six weeks ago. Our biggest, uh, the biggest job was to fixing our irrigation, which was um, all torn up. And um, obviously we didn't, because we're a small country club and didn't have the funds, so uh, we were looking, uh, working on donations and uh, our three local um, rural, rural stores in town um, donated, um, you know, uh, pipe and fittings and um, sprinklers and what's not. And uh, we had local uh, farmers, you know, Len come in with their machinery to prep the course and then we other tractors and, um, you know, uh, kangas to dig the trenches for the irrigation to to repair it. And this has been going on. For, instead of playing golf on weekends, we've been spending – well, we've been spending time on the golf course, but all our time's been put out of repairing the irrigation so we could get it done for this deadline, the date we had – to lay the turf, yeah. Don't panic too much. Logue's got contacts at Golflink. He can sort out all the handicaps from Dunny Do and just adjust them to allow for this six weeks where you haven't been able to play properly. Just a quick shout-out to David Tease from Golf New South Wales, the media manager who started the ball rolling, as you mentioned. He has a terrific job yes, with this sort did. of stuff. TC, he stays across the the smaller and the real stories to yep. do with golf. Yep. Uh, he does a fantastic job of that. So, four marks to He's him. He's been absolutely fantastic yeah. for me. Like, I'm a... I'm a builder, mate, not a interviewer or a media man. And um, yeah, he's been uh, he's been really uh, supportive of um, of me and uh, and of the club and of yeah putting it out there. So takes yeah, a, takes I really a, appreciate Dave's um, help. Takes a hell of a good photo fella. too. Yeah, no, he's <laughs> yeah. a really good shooter. He yeah. sounds like a great fella on the phone. Yeah, yeah. look, he, yeah. he's he's an unattractive chap. Let's not get <laughs> let's not get out. He's got no hair. Uh, he, you know, he carries more weight than he should, but he does. <laughs> he does a bit good. like me. Sounds like a bit like me. <laughs> no, I don't know. I saw your photo rolling out the turf there, mate. You look pretty fit and ready to go. To put people in the picture, I don't think we'd probably for anyone who didn't realise. Dunedoo is a small country town. What about four hours west of Sydney, Ricky? Yeah. Uh, four, four and a bit, yeah. What's four the population mark? About seven, eight hundred people. Yeah, Mark, you can you got a, you still with us, Mark? Yeah, oh. yeah. Okay, Sunny okay. Dude's got about eight hundred people okay. in the so. town. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we're about uh, five hours west of Sydney. Oh, so Ricky and I uh-huh. drive too quickly. That's the first thing you've got to <laughs> you've got to note from that conversation. Yeah, it, well, it's a quintessentially we, small Australian town, I think, Ricky. You could say. Yes, yeah, that's good. exactly right. Six pubs, yeah. ten residents. And Three the- golf courses, <laughs> four brothels, no matter. None of that. The, <laughs> what, and what's the sign say when you come into town? Where the people make the difference. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it's no it's surprise really. Yeah. No surprise really that the community's gotten behind this 
so, to such an extent and people throwing in whatever they've got to try and help out. Sorry, in case you want to interrupt, oh, so sorry, what happened was, <laughs> on, on April 29, scene, scene. the residents of the town woke up and uh, uh, there'd been somebody had grabbed a tractor, put a, a disc plough, I think it's called, on the back of it and dug up. One-way plough, it's called, yeah. yeah. Basically dug up about half the course mark, like complete, yeah. completely dug up, not let's patch this up and play around it for a week completely dug up. So it really was disastrous in terms of golf. Uh, and, you know, I think you cobbled together a six-hole course in the days following to sort of play. But it really was. I mean, potentially, had you not got all that assistance, Mark, I imagine the club might have been in a bit of trouble. I can't imagine you could have afforded to fix all of that yourself, certainly not in any short term. No, not at all. Like, what they've done with the the turf is just, um, yeah, it, it looks – you can't tell it that if – Looking from the clubhouse, you'd think it's yeah. There's nothing wrong out there yeah. now. Pretty amazing. And um, but uh, we've still we still yet to repair our greens because we've been um, our uh, three sand greens uh, have been they were torn up as well. But we're yet to repair them mm-hmm. because we've so been so busy, obviously repairing our irrigation mm-hmm. to you know to meet the deadline. For the turf, yeah. What do you do to repair a sand green, hmm. Mark? One would imagine. Well, that's you just, a very good just, question. Just and run over it and give it a yeah. tap, don't you? And then it's back in play. Yeah. <laughs> well, they're actually they're actually set on a clay base, uh-huh. and um, it's torn up. Um, right. We've um, yeah, we're going to talk to some. There's a an old fella down Cowra way down south, I think, that uh, knows how to um, <clears throat> set the base and. Um, so I think we're going to make a phone call to him. Maybe he can come up and give us a hand just to, uh, yeah, get get our greens, the three greens, um, yeah, up and going. Australia's own sand green specialist construction expert. Mm. I love that's the what sand. we need. I love the sound <laughs> of that. Is there a sand green championship of some sort being staged at Dunny Do later this year? Uh, next year, early oh, next, next year, year, the yeah. first weekend in March. Uh, Ricky can probably. Um, fill me in on that. I'm pretty sure yeah. it's the New South Wales Sand Green Championships we are ho- we're holding at Dunedoo. Yeah, I'm pretty uh, pretty sure it's the first weekend in March. Yeah, I reckon it'll. Yeah, be. it's the uh, yeah it's a four ball championship. Uh, by the way, there are two conducted. I think the last state ones at Ningen later this year, but uh, we've picked up the four ball. Uh, Sangreen Championship, which will be, yeah, March next year, which will be a big coup for uh, our town. People are already starting to book accommodation. I think the motel has already been booked out for it already upon hearing the story of uh, what's occurred here in the last few weeks. You won't be able to fit them all in, I guarantee. They'll have to go and stay. What, how far away is Mudgee? Half hour, 40 minutes? Uh, an hour everywhere. An hour to everywhere. There you go. They're an hour from everything. So they're going to yeah. be able to pay. I've actually been to a, a New South Wales Sangreen Championships at Ningen, and the drive out there wasn't encouraging, but the event was fantastic. <laughs> some of the great, greatest characters. You know, there were some funky golf swings out there that really, really work. I'll give you the tip, and that is a whole specialised thing. Not a six, not a sixty degree wedge in the field. Not one, because yeah. it just doesn't make any sense to carry one. If you showed, <laughs> if you showed some of those blokes a sixty degree wedge, they'd get a fright. Mark, we're going to let you go in a minute, but I guess you probably have had and would like the opportunity, I would imagine, to say thank you to quite a few people. Not the least of them being the locals, the donations and the help that's come from outside is fantastic. But all of that would probably feel a bit hollow if you hadn't had the support and help from the locals who've clearly got in and done a lot of the work this past week, especially. Yeah, the the work that all the locals and the people from the surrounding area has it's been very overwhelming. Um, the help that we've given that has been given to the club, you know, even down to the you know the people, the ladies around town, uh, just um, bringing you know morning teas, cakes, you know scones, pikelets, all the old good stuff. Uh, which was great to, um, you know, for the all those blokes from Sydney and uh, the turf companies um, fed them breakfast every morning, morning tea and lunch for the week, and um, they uh, it was just very overwhelming for to see so many people turn up um, and help and to bring food along to, uh, you know, to feed these fella- yeah. feed everyone, and uh, it was just. Yeah, it, the whole thing, you know, I really haven't sat down and had time to think about it, but 
it's um, it was uh, for Dunny Do itself and for the sports club, golf club, it's just very overwhelming. And the support we have got from so many people and uh, the donations we've got is just just amazing. Yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah. Look, it's, yeah. it's not a bushfire or a flood or some of those other catastrophic events we see from time to time, Australia, but the response is somewhat similar, <clears throat> isn't it? There's a drama, someone needs help, I'm in a position to help, let's pitch in and do something. And that's so encouraging in a world of, well, constant bad news. <laughs> you don't have to look far I, to find the, find the other side that, of the news. Yeah. I, I really think that people realise, um, you know, how much um, a golf course is um, – you know, warranted for the, our for our small community. You know, there's and Ricky will back me up on this. Every day of the week, there's people, uh, fellas playing golf, kids um, on our course. Whether they playing golf, whether there's ladies walking on the course, and um, you know, I just think that people seen the damage and thought, you know, we need to repair this. We need to help you know, get in and get all this fixed up because, you know, there's so many people that use, it's like a hub, our golf mm. course, and um, there's so many people use it in every, like, <clears throat> so many different people in our community that uh, come to, uh, use, whether they're playing golf or walking their dogs or walking or exercising on the course, you know, and uh, farmers come in on the weekends to play golf. To, that's their relief from the farm. And, uh, you know, um, it was – that's why I think we got such good support, um, you know, to repair, get in and get it fixed as soon as we could. Yeah. yeah. And it's been, it's been fantastic to watch from the outside. One can only imagine what it's been like from the inside. Mark, we're going to let you go to work because you've had a week off. You better get back there, mate. Yeah, you can't, you yeah can't that's exactly you right. You can't afford to uh, to take any more time. We appreciate you uh, having a chat to us. We're going to stick around and have a chat to Ricky about, Ricky about some of those things that you've touched on there. But really appreciate you taking the time, mate. No, thank you very much, and uh, you enjoy your Thursday. Oh, we'll do our very best. It started with a bad best. coffee, but apart from that, coffee, we'll, see but- terrible. we'll see if we can. They're, they're first can only problems. get better from here. That's exactly right, the only yeah. way. When you start out depressed, everything's kind of a nice surprise. <laughs> Good on you, Mark. Thank you, my friend. Good on you, Adrian. Thanks, Rod. See you. Well, Ricky, I think Mark touched on a bunch of stuff there that we want to explore beyond just the incident that's brought all the atten- the attention to Dunny Do. Uh, obviously, that's <coughs> somewhat unpalatable, etc. But it really exposes a bunch of stuff about golf. You and I had a bit of a chat the other day ahead of this interview today. It's more than just a golf club, a facility like Dunny Do in a town like Dunny Do, isn't it? And this is replicated all over Australia and the world, isn't it? Absolutely, yeah, and particularly in our case, uh, where, as Mark just alluded to, that the club is not necessarily just a golf club, but, you know, a place for people to come and uh, socialise and uh, frequent and uh, catch up because people spend uh, long days out working or particularly, as Mark says, on the farms. And at the end of a long day, sometimes in summer it could be 12 hours for some. Um, Ours is a bit of a a refuge or relief uh, for some uh, to particularly uh, get their rest uh, sip a couple and, um, you know, tell some yarns as they do out in the bush and uh, get ready to do all again the very next day. But, um, yeah, as I said, we, uh, we've got a venue here. I mean, like any golf club in any uh, town, really, that um, is, as I said, it's a hub for people to get together and socialise, not from a golf, but from a socialised family point of view as well. So it's um, the last thing you want of these places closing down because no one will have anywhere to go. Mm. It was actually renamed as the Dunnydoo Sports Club. Is that right? Because it's a lot more than just golf, isn't it? You've got cricket, you've got uh, squash, you've got touch footy and all sorts of things going on, right? Absolutely, yeah. We've got all these sports. We've got a cricket field outside. Um, The first and second fairways are split by this cricket pitch. I love that. uh, It gives you a bit of an idea as to um, what else happens uh, at our venue. We're going to stop there Uh, for a sec. So just... What happens with the cricketers playing and the golfers playing? <laughs> On a Saturday morning in summer. I'm just got to stop um, Talk us through that. We, well, we don't play as much cricket as we used to, but we have a T20 comp every summer, lasts for about six weeks. But it doesn't interfere with golf. Back in the day, they tell me, um, there used to be a temporary uh, sand green put aside um, that would be short of the actual playing field itself that you'd play to, and then you'd move on to the next hole um, if there was a game of cricket on. So uh, they had every uh, option available for you uh, during this time. Can, do you have the situation where the cricketers just sort of stop and just look out or just 
or they're well, just aware of golfers coming through or? Uh, well, basically, anyone who plays golf will be playing cricket these days. <laughs> That's so, right. They're the same yeah. teams, aren't they? Is, uh, is <laughs> yeah. So um, we're all very wary of each other's sports. Um, but, um, yeah, when there's one sport on, basically everybody else stops. No, I, oh, okay. I think right. what you're okay. alluding I'm, to. You're disappointing me a little we, bit. We both work, Adrian and I both work <laughs> with a girl called Jane at, yep, um, yep. at Golfing, who is from Orange, if I'm not mistaken, yep. or Bathurst, and she used to talk about some of the local country courses there where that would happen, the cricket field would butt up against or sometimes be contained within the golf courses. On a Saturday morning, it was just understood that when a group of golfers arrived on the tee, the cricketers would move aside, the yep. golfers would play, Let through, it play through, and then the cricket match would resume, and it was just a nobody had to say anything. There was no etiquette, no, no formalities involved. It was just that's how it worked, and uh, which is sort of fabulous. Sport aside, Ricky, golf clubs in towns like Dunny do become things like an evacuation centre in cases of fire and floods. Mm-hmm. Certainly, if you grew up in Dunedoo, the chances are you probably had your 21st birthday party at the sports club. If you then went on to get engaged, you probably had that engagement party at the sports club. Every chance you might have had your wedding reception there. Golf club or sports club does not begin to capture what a facility like this means to a town like Dunedoo, does it? Absolutely. Well, you, uh, your very first point of um, Bushfire Evacuation Centre, which was here before I moved to Dunedoo, which was 2018. Back in 2017, there was a, a fire through uh, the area here, which I think 10 or 12 homes were lost uh, in the area at the time. And the club acted as basically a centre uh, for refuge for those who needed to get away or indeed those who were assisting in uh, the fires in itself. Um like we just supplied water and all sorts of supplies for anybody um, who needed uh, any assistance possible. Um, we held fundraisers and so forth here for them. Uh, but also you mentioned uh, from a social point of view, I mean, anyone would have an 18th here and then you're right, they'll have a 21st. And if they were to get married, which we've had here, we've had to close the club um, specifically for people who want to get married. We've got the facilities here, like any other club I would imagine uh, they would have. So, and if a place like us, were to disappear off the mat, um, I, I don't know. What do the people do? I mean, there's not many options, certainly for us, but I certainly don't know what it's like for other towns to be uh, in that situation. Um, mm. But um, as I said, we've got all the options available, and um, without us, I don't know how towns can thrive or flourish from it. Yeah. It's certainly an issue for some towns where the golf club is quite poor. There's another role that the golf course plays from a disaster point of view, which I'm really interested in, in a town like Dunedoo, where it, a lot of the stormwater is designed to run onto the golf course. Like, it's oh, much better, right? yeah, it's much better for the golf course to flood than for the town to flood, right? And I, I think that's actually... Oh, if you play lawn bowls, yeah. What about us golfers? <laughs> Who asked us about that? I'm only kidding. Is that, that's actually the setup, I think. It, that is it? exactly our setup uh, here. That's correct, yeah. So um, there is a dam on the golf course, um, which is basically our water source... Um, for the course itself, and it flows from uh, the top of the hill here in Dunedoo through various channels and um, guttering. Um, flows through our golf course, through one, two, three, four fairways, um, into our dam, and um, quite often they can be quite a hazard and when it does rain. I know we've had very little rain in the past few years, that's for sure, but uh, when it has uh, had influence there, it does play as a hazard, believe it or not. We just played as GUR, but, um, yeah, we're left with that situation where the water uh, from the town basically comes to our dam. Yeah, uh, and that's something that happens in metropolitan areas as well where, um, you know, streets would be flooded, uh, but, you know, often town planning dictates that, you know, golf courses Make are where sure all the stormwater yeah, goes to. Yeah, Everyone kind of wins out of that. There's something very different, though, like- about city golf versus country golf. I imagine mm. the average Saturday at Dunedoo looks very different to the average suburban Sydney golf course competition in all sorts of ways. And I feel like we often talk about the disconnect in golf between communities and the golf clubs that we tend to forget. We think about cities, and obviously Dunedoo is one of those examples of where it's the opposite. It's very part of the community. I hope you're not suggesting they don't go out and stamp the <laughs> sand buckets with the with the club logo. Well, kind do like kind I mean, of. That, that's there kind are of, standards. Kind of funny, but we as city golfers, for want of a better term, do not appreciate what we have, do we? No, I, I guess not. Like you really should be spending every minute of the go- of, of golf on a Saturday, thinking to yourself, you know, you're a grown adult playing this game for you know four or five hours or you know you're out at the golf course for four or five hours playing a game 
uh, if the weather's good, even if the weather's bad, you should just be counting your blessings. That you're you're amongst a very privileged few, yeah. and, <laughs> that, and somebody's that, get to, that have the leisure and the and the. Someone's prepared the, the area for you. This. Somebody's over-prepared the yep. area for you. In yep. many cases, yep. in cities, unnecessarily with a whole bunch of stuff. Yep. What's the course maintenance set up there at Dunny Do, Ricky? Who looks after the course? Um, it's voluntary, uh, entirely voluntary um, from the club point of view. Um, basically, one of our volunteers uh, likes to get on the mower a couple of days a week, <clears throat> uh, towards the end of a week, and um, looks after, well, not say we've had a lot of late, but particularly during uh, summer months when the grass does grow and the rain we get. Um, and as I said, the whole, yeah, it used to be uh, a paid greenkeeper. would have been 30, 40-odd years ago there used to be, but um, such were the times, I guess, with um, small golf courses like us. Uh, we've now moved on to voluntary labour, and we all get together maybe once a month to say, right, you know, the greens need doing or these areas need... Uh, tidying up uh, around the course and um, it really just gets a bit of a community atmosphere um, together to you know help and repair golf courses and just mend it just to basically keep it on the straight and narrow really yeah we've probably already covered this in a a whole bunch of different ways but what's the non-golfers attitude towards the golf course and club there in Dunedoo Oh, there are some who uh, probably not say detest the game, but having said that, they were out here helping last week, so uh, they realised there's some some sort of importance um, towards it. But um, again, as Mark alluded to, uh, it's not just uh, a golf course. I mean, people go walk their dogs there every morning because they said we've got a big dam down in the middle there. People take their dogs down there. Um, there's picnic tables actually next to the dam, so people want to have a lunch or a uh, a coffee or have a sit there beside the dam and um, watch it all unfold. I'm not saying there's much there, but um, just to sort of take it in. Um, but also, I guess when you say from a non-golf point of view, I mean, um, golf course competition itself, as opposed to, say, a club uh, itself. I mean, the fortunate thing for us is that anyone who really comes in a club, we're trying to get them to become golfers. Um, and it's sort of worked in the last couple of years. Like we're sort of seeing the odd um, 30 to 40 something um, who's probably got a bit of income with children. They're like, you know, if you want to come along and play um, and maybe bring your kids along. And that actually has worked to a degree. So that's the sort of, um, um, yeah, all you have to do is ask, really. Uh, you'd be surprised how many times if you ask someone, they'll probably come along. Yeah. Golf is guaranteed to have a certain conversion rate isn't absolutely it? like you, exactly built you, in it. You, and it you, hasn't changed in 600 no years. that's right you introduce a certain number of people <clears> to golf and a certain number of them will stay with golf yeah i hope that that's been making a lot of money for you ricky because i've just noticed Logue taking some notes that you'll be getting a letter from his solicitor about the tea party oh concept. tea party yeah shortly I don't know if you're a listener of the podcast <laughs> ricky but uh yeah i'll take that in thanks jess <laughs> adrian has this idea where <clears throat> teas at golf courses should be rented out to non-golfers as a place to have a picnic and they can watch the golfers come through. And I actually think it's a fabulous idea. And you've stolen it out there at Dunny Do, and yeah, he's, he's trademarked it's a, it's it. It's an unlicensed operation. So, there, so. <laughs> you're not meeting any of the criteria <laughs> that the Tea Party franchise sets down. So you'll need to. Uh, As I say, that stuff was there before I got here. Okay. Sound like Bart Simpson. It wasn't me. <laughs> it was yeah. like that when I got here. It wasn't me. Yeah. Something. Something I'm interested in with Dunny Do is it's a it, it's a really interesting study I think apart for, from the name of the town. So oh, the, where the I, hell does that come? Yeah, from? we should say <laughs> apart from all this, Dunny Do is kind of famous for its name. For its name, it's yeah. a great it's a great name. Um, you actually called it Dunny Dune at I the start of the show, which I think is fantastic. Actually. Well, it's a like, golf. <laughs> you should be calling it Dunny Dune Golf Club. That would fit beautifully. Um, a Dunny for non-Australian listeners is a toilet here in Australia. Yeah, that's right. So a Dunny and, do and a do is like is a, something you're doing kind of a number two. Sorry, you were saying. I, I think as a lesson for all golf courses, you know, when you've got limited inputs, there's you're only focus on the things that are really important. Yeah. And uh, in a lot of ways, like I, something I think about all the time with golf is that, um, and I heard this in a different context, but the phrase "geography is destiny," I think, is, is something that is, I really sort of captured my attention. And there's there's a tendency in golf to just come up with a couple of different templates for golf courses it's either a links course or it's a parkland course and we try and shove those templates in wherever we can because often case you know people building a golf course they have the resources and the money to actually manipulate the land to force it into one of those two templates so you end up with 
you know, a link style course in the middle of nowhere or a parkland course, an attempt at making a parkland course in the desert or something, you know. So yeah. that, that's the sort of stuff you end up with. And geography is destiny. what it fails to realise is that geography is destiny. And it's it, it's, it applies to every other part of life where, you know, a town like Dunedoo, it exists because of a certain bend in the river or something like that. It, it, start, it always starts with geography. Or True. Maitland, where I grew up, you know, exists because... Ricky, by the way. Because, you're both Maitland boys. You, you are, aren't you, Ricky? Yeah. We'll have, yes. to, we'll have to chat about Back that. Times. Um, you know, it's a coal town. And, you know, and, and it, it, wherever you look from in terms of food and customs and, and the reason for a place's existence or why did people start gathering there, it's because, because of geography and, and then the way those people adapt their homes and their way of living. So something about the geography. land draws them there and then you... Des- and then you That's right. Around. And then the land determines how you live there. And... With golf, we do actually, if, we, if you examine golf, if you zoom out and look at it at a little bit wider perspective, there is a lot of different types of golf. Like you've got links, you've got heathland and parkland and marshlands and moors and golf is played in mountains and deserts. So, but a lot of those places where, where there's too many resources for inputs into the, into the shaping of the golf course, you get something that is fighting its geography. So the labels narrow it, don't they? This is the this is one of the mistakes I feel like we make with golf. Golf's the most free of all games. There's no aside from out of bounds, there's no lines. It's not tennis or football. There's no in or out. It's that's golf. Right. There, there's always a next shot there's to just be played. The, the size of the cup. That's the only that, <laughs> Exactly and, and a few rules sort of about the equipment. And we try to narrow it down by saying we have a championship golf course. It's got to have four par fives and four par threes it must be a par of seventy two. They must be arranged in, you know, loops that come back to the clubhouse and all these things. And that's part of what you're saying there. Uh, this ties into that. Well, Dunny Doo is very true to its geography. I was about right. to say, so yeah. what you find, and we've talked about this before, some of the council courses around Sydney and places like Dunny Doo, none of that impacts, in many ways, the people who lay out the golf course. They're golfers, and they're looking for somewhere to play golf, and they're at Dunny Doo, and this is the site where the golf course is going to be. So they work with that. Yep. They don't go and bulldoze this and change that and right. build a template of this, and, oh, this is our Redan, and this. There isn't any of that. Wank and what makes sense a lot of in, in those combinations? It's all, a lot, bunch of the features that Ricky's already mentioned. There's there's a dam, there's sand greens. It's mostly yeah. flat. Yeah. There's trees, yeah. and and this is where trees can you know have a role in a country course. I I wouldn't advocate a planting no uh, trees that are there initiative. Like use some of the trees there. You need to play around some stuff and. It's n- you're not going to be putting in bunkers anytime soon at Dunny Doo, are you? <laughs> What's the master plan for Dunny Doo, Ricky? <laughs> How many bunkers are you adding? And uh, a very good question. Um, it was sort of discussed recently about um, you know what should we do um, with the current scenario, but um, someone offered you know bunch of sand really well i had phone calls saying do you have any bunkers i said no i said well you know we'll, we'll <laughs> you have to donate a whole bunch of sand I, I, maybe i should have taken that as an opportunity you probably anything. shouldn't i i, I think should. like you know there's a lot of maintenance if you've got you know a bunch of volunteers you know chipping in once a month then the bunkers are going to look pretty pretty rubbish for most of the month well, you're going to look out of place aren't they doesn't matter they, where you get the sand place. from it's not going to look right it's not necessarily there. true to its geography mm-hmm. and but i tell you what if, if there's some farmers with a bit of earth-moving equipment, then what would look great, I reckon, is a couple of holes and then use the fill from the holes to build up a few mounds and things like that. Uh, that's, those sort of features look great on a flat piece of ground. Colin, Chris is not on board with you on this one. <laughs> no, th- I, mean, I think that's the perfect sort of thing. Like it, it, it sort of, of course you do. Uh, you're arrogant enough to think that you're right. Well, I've been looking at a bunch of these Kamaruka <laughs> photos, right? <laughs> right so, what are you gonna, how are you going to butcher that? <laughs> <laughs> well, no, that, that's that's the sort of land features that you've got in at Kamaruka where they've just dug a hole and they've used the fill to create a little mound. And, you know, it's it's nothing about it that doesn't look man-made, but it actually that that sort of thing looks fantastic in that scenario. We're wanking on a bit here, <laughs> Ricky, but in fairness, I imagine golf and life in Dunedoo is much more real than this. There's not a whole lot of time, I'd, I'd imagine, to often sit around esoterically discussing geography as destiny and some of this other sort of nonsense that we faff on about in the city. you kind of got to get on with stuff, don't you? Well, coming from mate like Adrian, I mean, I, <laughs> moving out here. The hub of the hunter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But moving out to here, um, I've certainly had to adjust as to what uh, lifestyle they all have out here. So basically, if you can't beat them, join them. Um, in regards to, you know, go along with all their um, spinning yarns and um, drinking as well. Um, but, yeah, golf's there. Yeah, golf course, um, 
restructuring is certainly not a um, uh, topic of discussion here. Like at the end of the you know Sunday's golf day for us, for example, um, you know it's at the end of a week. Football might have been taking place on the Saturday. Like it's a place to um, get together and talk about the week or the how the uh, Danube football team went on the Saturday and um, um, and just get together and just um, tell a few really. So um, it, it, it gives a good vibe about the place. I mean, there are people like say take the game seriously. Like no one really does out these parts. I mean, I always say if you want to take it serious, go to Sydney. I mean, we're out here to enjoy ourselves. Um, we're mostly there for the beers afterwards, so it's, um, it's a really good vibe we sort of set ourselves as, and um, I'd like to think we've benefited um, wholeheartedly as a result of it. There's so much that First World Golf could take from mm, that. Absolutely, and that's that's the point of this. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Dunny Do is using, like, it, it's it's as, as much as it's can be, and it's great because of that. Like, and not trying to be something else but, or something different. But if you wanted to, uh, you know, of course. <laughs> if you want, uh, like, of course, Ricky, look, I, I think it'd be fantastic if you just got everybody's <laughs> attention in the pub. Go, go to Hotel Dunny Do and say, stop everybody, put your drink down. <laughs> We're going to talk and course architecture. Get everybody's attention, and then I'll start off with geography is destiny. <laughs> and, and we'll just go from there. Go from there. I'm sure I'd have a rapt audience. <laughs> You, you walk into a hotel saying that, I think they toss you out at the immediate um, step. Yeah. Uh, uh, Ricky, how many of your members do you reckon will be taking much interest in the US Open this week? Uh, <laughs> maybe a dozen or so. Yeah. Um, I might switch it on uh, here at the club if I get uh, the opportunity um, to. There are a few uh, keen, hardened golfers um, here who follow week to week, but um most will be, you know, whenever it's on, I think it'll be obviously mornings here over the next few days, they'll be up and uh, running off to their properties doing, going to work, really. Yeah. And that tells us something interesting about the relationship. I want to chat about the USA because I know you are a golf fan and you will be watching it. And I know you've already sent some tweets out about the Australians in the field and various yeah. other things. Don't, you're, you're a bit of a tragic with this stuff. He is a bit of a tragic with this stuff. So, Logue, the connection between professional golf and grassroots golf you don't get much more grassroots than Dunny do. Do we overplay it? I think it's important. The influence of professional golf is extraordinary, except at a place like Dunny do. Yeah, that's. I mean, that's probably right. I mean, you're not going to see like the the stuff that you're going to see on TV at Tory Pines this week. My criticisms of it are usually that clubs and committees at clubs see that and then they try and replicate it, and it's an unrealistic expectation to put on green staff and and it costs a hell of a lot of money to try and replicate what you're going to see this weekend at Torrey Pines uh, but you know they're, they're, there's a pragmatism that kicks in <laughs> uh, for some golf clubs where they're like oh well, you know that's, that's just never going to happen it's just not even in the conversation at, uh, at a, Do you ever get that sort of response Ricky? Do you, uh, among those 12 hardened golfers is their focus on the golf, or do they... Do they want to see graduated rough? Do or? they want to see... Well, b- well more <laughs> better conditions, you know, grass that's in better nick, and some of those... The things that you hear from golfers that golfers mistakenly think are more important a lot of the times than other things about golf. Do you get that there? Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. there'd always be one or two who raise it. Um, but, um, look, our golf course is what it is. I mean, we work really hard with the resources that we've got. Um, we can't wish for, you know brand new tees or, um, you know, well, I know we've got new turf on the course, but uh, prior to all this, but uh, new tees or some um, new turf around the greens um, to, to, you know, get things going or, you know, um, adding a tree here or there, as you talk about. Um, But as I say, if you want to play a better conditioned golf course, I mean, either options are only an hour away. But as I said, we can only play what's in front of us. That's right. Well, Dubbo's got 27 holes, haven't they? And they're not not too far from you. Mudgee's got a very nice golf course there as well, nicely conditioned uh, and and all that sort of of stuff as well. Speaking of the US Open, Ricky, what's going to happen this week? Mm. Get your thoughts. Me? (laughs) Okay. Um, As much as I uh, normally would – have you been grabbed by it? Something about it this year doesn't seem to be grabbing me. And I think that's probably because I'm a an architecture snob and I'm not a fan of Torrey Pines. I just don't think it's a well, particularly interesting venue. Maybe the events of the tour of recent weeks has sort of um, taken away uh, the shine of this week, but also Phil Mickelson winning the PGA probably took a, a huge um, uh, step away from 
well, again, this week, I mean, with the achievement that he's done uh, in recent weeks. Um, I thought that would add, so, add a bit of interest to him. Eh, well, look, we all know he's not going to do it again. <laughs> Let's be completely realistic. He's not, not that attitude. He's not, he's not going to do it again. And so you're right. That's going to be possibly one of the golf stories of the decade and the century. 50 years old winning a PGA. Doesn't matter who you are, you're running second to that, except maybe Tiger winning the Masters last year, 2019. That, that might be the only other one that touches it in our generation and sort of lifetime in terms of achievement. So you're right. I think you're right. It's, it's almost like golf peaked at the PGA, isn't it, in a funny way? Well, I heard you say in podcasts in recent weeks about uh, the uh, efforts of Mickelson, and you won't hear it probably at the time, but you'll say in years to come or decades to come about how big that achievement actually was. So um, I wouldn't say everything here on in will seem a bit of an anti-climax, but it almost uh, sort of felt that way after um, what had occurred at Kiowa a few weeks ago. Yeah, yeah, indeed. Uh, in terms of, I, I recall, just I remembered this while you were talking. Steve Aisbert, who uh, owns the driving range at Thorn Lee here in Sydney, was the longtime pro at Dubbo Golf Club, and as part of that, he would rack up about a hundred thousand k's a year, running hold and scramble events at clubs, everything from Dubbo, twenty-seven holes and mudgy, right down to courses like Donny Doon. In fact, clubs that would only operate, I think, in the winter months because in the summer the ground was too hard and it would crack. You couldn't play golf on it. Uh, where the clubhouse would be a hessian bag with ice hanging from a tree with the beer in it because that's you know that was sort of how golf worked. And so, of course, with the Holden Scramble, you had to qualify a team or two from every district. And so he would, every year, he'd be taking a team from somewhere out the middle of nowhere to Federal Golf Club in Canberra for the qualifiers. Every year it was the same thing. They'd get to the near the first green and you'd say, look, these greens aren't like anything you've seen. They're a lot quicker because a lot of those people don't ever putt it on sort of sand greens. And he said every year it was the same thing. You know, someone would be five feet above the hole and would putt it 40 yards down the fairway. Because <laughs> they... And he said, and, and you could see the fear would suddenly just come into the faces of all. They couldn't imagine <laughs> how it. How do I deal with it? Yeah. Just, how do I do? <laughs> what are we going to do? They were always quite long days, but always quite sort of fun. So very different golf experiences uh, in that way. Do you have a lot of people come out and play at Dunny Do? No, I know you had the LET players there. Meg McLaren was one of the first to give some money, and a bunch of the LET players did. I think Michelle Thompson. Uh, Flick Johnson, I think, gave some money. You can probably give a shout out to some of those players, which I thought was an extraordinary gesture, to be honest with you. I, I, I do, yes. Um, well, Golf News have always uh, asked us to put up a GoFundMe um, for our course, and uh, they said they can do the PR work uh, in relation to that, um, which they basically did. They got in touch with all their contacts who were part of, I guess, the um, LET and the Women's Open that they've been running the past few years. And uh, Megan McLaren was one of the first. She gave up 500 straight away, uh, which was a fantastic gesture. I mean, um, and a lot of ladies as well, as you've mentioned. Uh, Lydia Hall was one. Um, Sarah Kemp. Uh, Amy Walsh. Now, as past two uh, or last, I've played with the Pro-Ams in previous years. I think that's probably the only reason I got off uh, Amy Walsh in the first place. We had a round at uh, Rural Canberra a couple of years ago when the uh, Classic Tournament was being played there. So, We've been in touch ever since, and she was happy to um, come to the fore and donate to us, which is great given that the ladies don't play for as much money, let's face it, as the men do. No. And for them to give up um, a great portion of their uh, income uh, towards us has just been overwhelming for us all. None of those players you mentioned have two houses, believe me. Mm. And none of them have two houses on different continents, which is fairly standard in men's mm. golf uh, once you get to that sort of level of the game. So good. And then what was that? Uh, you had a sand green day out there, didn't you? I think it was a couple of years ago when the New South Wales Women's Open was at Dubbo. Yeah, yeah. The uh, Open was at Dubbo 2020. And I don't know how this actually happened. It really was out of nowhere. I, we inquired to golf New South Wales about hosting a sand green event, but they came back to us and said, you know what, we'll put on a day for you, um, a pro-am, invite the ladies from the European tour and uh, they can um, come and be a part of it. And, and then we didn't really think of it uh, at first, but then the ball started rolling, um, some funds were put together and uh, before you knew it, we had a day out here. I think there were 26 or 7 golfers um, turned up here, but those who showed up here couldn't believe the time that they had here. They had such a, a fantastic experience, and Dunny Do was put on the map all around the world. Social media, of course, with a lot of the ladies get involved in uh, here, and um, yeah, um, like Annie Bolden, for example, um, who was here, um, 
and of course ended up winning last year on the tour. Who won it last year? It was um Camilla or um, uh, Montana Strauss actually won the pro am here last year, if you must know. And then of course she's right. gone to great heights with Holy Moly. Holy Moly, yeah. put it that way. <laughs> yeah. So uh, she shot one under here on Sandgreens for nine holes. So it gives you a bit of an indication as to, um, uh, I guess, the level that they needed to play on um, our course. Um, they said it was completely different uh, experience to what they're used to. They'll never encounter that probably anywhere else. And whilst it was yeah, a bit of a novelty event, it probably just showcased that uh, golf can be played and enjoyed anywhere mm. or everywhere other than, um, you know, in a city with um, grass green yeah. venues. Now, I want you to be completely honest here, Ricky. They're two fairly disparate groups, the farmers and locals from Dunny-Doo coming together with some of the ladies from the Lady Europe, Ladies European Tour for a golf day. There must have been some strange looks both ways, I would imagine, at various times during that day. I think Camilla Lenarth played in that, and she led the New South Wales Women's Open just a week or so later. I interviewed her each day because I was out there uh, helping with the coverage for New South Wales Open. And if I'm not mistaken, there was a crew of about six or seven blokes came from Dunedoo for the wow. final round to cheer her on. Uh, guys that she'd played with in the day. Am I right about that? Was that me? Um, may have been me. Um, <laughs> no, I think you were there. I know. I remember we. That's where we first met. Was it Dubbo? Yeah. That day? yeah. But um, I there was a group from here to there, and I know some ladies from here went and volunteered at the Open uh, that week. Um, I can't recall who we were cheering or barracking for. Uh, at the end of the day, I ended up watching um, about three days worth uh, mm. while I was over there, just to have a bit of time. Um, if need be, but it was just a fantastic event to bring to this area, really. I mean, we were sort of starved of any um, sport of that level. I know we had an NRL game in Dubbo a few weeks ago, but how often do you get world-class athletes um, to this area anywhere, really? And, and golf somehow brought that. I think it's a interesting exercise in the fact that it doesn't matter how different your backgrounds are. If you're a golfer, We've got something to talk about. There's a common language, isn't there? I yeah. think we've talked about this before. You can play 18 holes with someone you've never met before yeah. and only realise in the clubhouse afterwards that their politics are the polar opposite of yours and you want nothing more to do with them ever. Yeah, you can find except it. Except you're quite happy to play 18 holes of golf with them again. And you probably do it again. Yeah, there's yeah, – in, in a strange way, you find out a lot about a person from golf, but you also know nothing about them after a game of golf. Um, but you've got golf in common and, yeah. and you can always have that. Yeah, it's, uh, it's extraordinary stuff. What's the future for Dunny Do Golf Club? Ricky, this has all been, uh, I imagine, quite a roller coaster and a fair bit to process, but the truth is Dunny Do is still going to be Dunny Do in 10 years' time, isn't it? I mean, it's not as though suddenly Dunny Do is going to become an international destination, but it is now on the world map. So that's an interesting thing to consider as the manager, because I think you're also the PR manager, aren't you? And the uh, barman. Yeah, I, I wear a few hats. Yeah. <laughs> I just been here as well. But, um, yeah, uh, manager, um, bar manager as well. Um, Marketing and communications. Uh, yeah, if you want to put it that way. I also have a role well, as with, um, the Western District Golf. I'm the secretary of it as well. So I cover a lot of area <laughs> out this area. So um, I wear far too many hats. It probably explains my big head. But anyway, uh, so, um, yeah, the club itself. Look, we'll soldier on. Um, we're hoping to plan to have some sort of uh, day in the next couple of months, I guess, in the um, reopening, if you want to call it that way. Um, of our club. I've already had offers of um, people wanting to do charities and um, offer some entertainment um, on the, the day, whenever that may well be. It could be, well, September, October, November. Well, whenever we see fit. Um, so we're certainly going to have something in place uh, to um, get us back on our feet. And as I said, we're trying to plan for this event in March next year. I think we'll have at least 120 130 golfers here next year for a weekend of golf, which will be a big thing for us and the town in general because I think every business will benefit from it. Um, and that's what we like to do at the end of the day. I mean, if it's just not us, we like the town to benefit um, as a result. So, like, local motels booked out, the cafes will be, you know, feeding them. So, um, The Dunny-Do pie shop would be stocking up, wouldn't it? Uh, we'll tell them in advance too, for <laughs> sure. Um, if you ever are out this way, we'll tell them that for sure. Yep. Yeah, indeed. Those events, by the way, golfers go out there to play the golf. You can't calculate the value of those to towns that host those regional events, those yeah. Golf New South Wales. It's the mid-amateur that I think you played in last year. Yeah. Take 300-odd people into a town that's not used to having that many people, and it's an extraordinary boost yeah, uh, yeah. to the local sort of yeah. economy. Dunny-Doo has a 
it's Art Unlimited or something. There's a big art exhibition that brings yes, a lot of people in uh, every year. held every May um, yep. for a couple of days, and it brings people of uh, certainly different backgrounds um, for an art show. Um, but, again, everyone benefits uh, in town as a result of it. I mean, all you have to do is just put it on and people will come. Is that what resulted in those funny sculptures of birds that uh, hang around the park. How do you know all this about... I've done my my research research this week. What's happened? I don't like this. Don't start doing (laughs) this every week. He probably knows something that I don't. Uh, There's there's these sculptures of birds around the main sort of park there at Dunedoo. Yeah, there's those. And there's also giant pencils uh, on the edge of the golf course as you drive into town. Really? Um, It's like the hills or whatever. (laughs) <laughs> to also cool. tie with our art show. Yeah, that's so art. A, now that's and art. And, of course, of course, the silo being painted last year with Hugh Bowman and Winks on it, so that's been a big boon for there us in the last year. Little arts hub. Golf's really secondary to right, tourism in the town there, by the sound. You really do need to do some work on the course so that you can get all those people who are coming here from overseas to play Bumboogle and King Island. You can get them out there to uh, to Dunedin as well. We, we talk a lot on here, Ricky, about you know golf course architecture and all this very sort of – Cerebral stuff, and that's all very real. It's not to, so but, it sounds like you're belittling it, but I'm not. That's. But what you've got there is, in many ways, much more real. I think it's the things we lose touch with when we speak, focus constantly on you know the things about criticizing Tory Pines this week and that sort of stuff. We miss all this side of golf that you just seem to have in spades there at Dunedoo and do yeah. organically. Some of the things, people walking their dogs on the course and that sort of stuff, my goodness, we could learn from that yeah. in the city. Just that attitude of, yeah, well, it's just if there's no one playing, go and walk your dog there. That Well, the Tory Pines is completely missing the point of, of all of that. It's- You'd lose a dog at Tory Pines. <laughs> if it was any smaller than an Alsatian, you could lose it in the rough. They're watering the rough and not the fairways at Tory Ponch. I think you need to talk about this, Adrian. Well, I wasn't going to say anything no. because people are a little bit, frankly, Sorry. they're probably a bit sick of me complaining about rough at USGA events. But And I wasn't going to say anything until this footage emerged <laughs> of this row of, like, rows of sprinklers on either side of the fairway in the rough. The, row, the irrigation lines are in the rough, for starters, and then they've got the rotors set up so that they, the arc of the rotors is only facing <laughs> towards point, the rough. They point out. They don't water the yeah. fairway. They they're pointing the out. Yeah. yeah, And they're throwing water, you know, 50, 60 foot away from the playing surfaces. And I, I saw that and I just thought, you know, it, it's worth making the point again <laughs> that that is not a good look for golf, in, particularly in the governing body showcase event look, where you're going to have non-golfers tuning in. And the interesting thing is people keep, Thinking, I'm making a point about playability or strategy. Or to do with I'm golf. not talking about sustainability, the, the environment. I'm, I'm all for rough in spots. You know, I, I, I like yep. some thick rough. I've just been to Barnboogle where there's some diabolical rough. There is. Um, but they don't point the irrigation lines no. in and water the rough at Barnboogle. And it's just at a place like California where there's. A scarcity say, of water. So say, thankfully, in a PR sense, at least California's got so much water, you can afford to just pour it on the. <laughs> oh, there's so a magic well. There's a magic well, as Aaron Price pointed out to me on Twitter. There's a magic well of water. Like, don't worry about it. It's free. There's a well of water there. That's exactly right. Um, Which couldn't be used for anything else. You might as well just pour it on the grass. Okay. How would how if we showed that footage? I don't know whether you saw it on Twitter, Ricky, but if we showed that footage to your members at Dunedoo, <laughs> what would be the general response? Do you reckon for people who rely? on the environment and rain and the interaction between water and land for a living, what would be the response to the watering of the rough only at Tory Pines? I think every one of our members would say, we're not playing that course, uh, full stop. On principle? um, On principle, yeah. And I guess they're idiots, full stop. (laughs) That's when they can find a way around it. Um, We don't have rough. I mean, we've just got a golf course that's just – well, I won't say it's rough in general, but it's just what it is. But those places, I'm certainly not appealing to go and play, if anything. I, look, Ricky, I, I think about Maitland Golf Club all the time. And, you know, there's the areas off the fairways at Maitland. Maitland had fair, well, has fairway watering, right? But it's – and the fairways are pretty good. And I like a good animals. fairway. <laughs> I like a good fairway as much as the next bloke. I'm not a monster. Yeah. But the um, – the when you go away from the fairways at Maitland, it just breaks up into that hard pan, and there's sticks and like anthills and all sorts of. And but it's 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 a test, like you know, it's mm. and actually you might get stuck in a clump of paspalum or yeah. kuyu or something like that. It, there's a bit of chance in play. There's trees, of course. It's um, 
uh, it's a real challenge. Um, and it's a penalty as much as anything, as much as introduced turf would be. But one of them requires enormous inputs. Yeah. To, to manage right. introduced turf, introduced turf all the way to the edges of a property, it requires enormous inputs. Was and that, was Torrey that, Pines is a public course. Was that rough either side of those fairways at Torrey Pines? Was that part of the destiny of that geography? <laughs> is that what we would have found there? No. Well, that's, that's the thing. It's so incongruous. Like the thing everybody points out that, you know, that doesn't make best use of the land and everything. I just, I don't think it makes best use of the flora and fauna around there because can did San Diego have uh, manicured Kaikuyu 200 years ago? I'm fairly certain. Like, <laughs> my understanding is that they did, that it was everywhere. And in it fact, was everywhere, there, there right? was a program of actually cutting some back. <laughs> if, you'd, if you'd played it 50 years ago, it would have been much worse. There, there would have been uh, some fantastic coastal, indigenous coastal ground cover um, all over those cliff tops, uh, you know, 100, 200 years ago. Yeah. And that stuff would make great, a, a beautiful contrast in colour and texture. It would, it would look, would look right. It would look like seaside golf should look. It would look and, like the destiny of that geography. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, that's right. I probably shouldn't compare it to Scotland. You know, Scotland does this very well, but it, it's something, it needs to be true to the cliff tops of San Diego. And there would have been, there is, I'm sure, still some species in pockets around there of nice indigenous ground cover that would make great rough yeah. for golf and would look better and a nice colour contrast what's and texture. Your, what's your planting program at Donny Do, Ricky? How do you select the plants and where you're going to do? Yeah, I assume you have a lot of, lot of hedging and, and various areas that have been designated <laughs> as this look and that look. And fountains. and. Uh, if anything, we, um, we tore up our garden recently because it was getting sort of decaying and um, we basically replaced it with turf. I think it's going to be near enough to our third tee. Um, for uh, the uh, foreseeable future. So, um, yeah, we've had to chop down some trees. Obviously, with the drought we've had the last couple of years, some have just basically died and decaying. And um, and they're dangerous, by the way. That people, yeah. you know, and a, a chap died on a golf course on the south coast of New South Wales earlier this year when a tree limb fell off a dead tree and mm. fell on him. Yeah, so ours, yeah, we've had to come together and say, right, this is no good, just get rid of it altogether. I mean, rather than... Um, just um, chop it down to the stump. We just remove the stump. I mean, we've fortunately out this year, you know, somebody who knows somebody who's in that industry or field and um, get them to do the job. You've got the tools, don't you? There's uh, there's no... Uh, While they're out there, they could just dig a hole, Ricky. And, <laughs> and put the know, spoil yeah. just up the other side of it. Use a fill, get a fill, <laughs> like an interesting it? mound, yeah. you know, shape, just, yeah. Give it away, give it away. I'll tell you one thing I did find out. I can't remember where it was. I read about a golf course oh, some time ago who uh, instituted a vegetable garden near the clubhouse as part of their sort of maintenance program and they use all of those vegetables in the kitchen um, for the, you know, various people who come and visit the restaurant. Yeah, How's that for just a sensible thinking idea? And the, no reason why the ground crew and the kitchen staff between them, they look after the garden when there's big jobs they're doing, they need tools, they get the grounds crew to bring over the machinery and whatnot, but fabulous idea, sort of thing that could probably work at Dunny Do. There's a tip. Forget about Logue's Mounds, get my vegetable garden, you'll be much better off. It's pretty woke, actually. Everything back. When's, when's the course expected to be back? Fully in play, Ricky, because at the moment I think you've got – you're only playing six holes still? <clears throat> yeah, we've been playing six holes. Um, it's certainly not the same uh, at the moment, um, but uh, experts who were here last week say about six weeks. Okay. Um, but for the short term, they're suggesting playing with mats um, on those fairways yeah. just to uh, make sure that they're fully uh, regenerated and um, just so it gives enough time to uh, repair itself and hopefully the weather uh, continues to be on our side. Um, fortunately, we've you know we've had a bit of rain last week that occurred. We had more overnight here, so watering the turf isn't an issue as we thought it was going to be initially, because um, we've had to fix our irrigation as a result. Um, so, fortunately, the rain we've had has um, softened the ground enough. The dam's been replenished as a result of the rains, so we can look after the course uh, for the short term. But as I said, about six weeks, um, we could probably play off it. Official events, I don't know. Uh, it may all be the same boat. Um, but as I said, we'll, we'll have something in place for a grand reopening, if you want to call it that. And um, the club could uh, certainly move on uh, from this little episode. Yeah, well, let it, let us know when that's coming up. And we'll give it a mention on the show. So anyway, well, you're probably going to be oversubscribed. You probably don't need our help. But if you do, feel free to drop us a line. And we should go and do a – we should go and record from up there one day. Like, yeah, yeah. Be a tax write-off, wouldn't it? <laughs> 
<laughs> be some sort of yeah. We're talking some sort of scam. You'd you? have to think there's yeah. a junket in it there somewhere. <laughs> I mean, you've got you've got the marketing and communications budget at your fingertips there, Ricky. I'm sure you can find a way to. I, I also do the books here, so I can do uh, whatever uh, you want here. For we'll, be, we'll be there about three <laughs> <laughs> thirty. Five hour drive, you said. Uh, indeed, Ricky. Fabulous to chat, mate. Really appreciate you taking the time. And I know, as you so often with these things, you would never wish it to happen. But when it does, it shows you a bunch of stuff that actually makes life better. And I think that's been the case for you there too. You've seen a whole side of people and whatnot that is very encouraging in a world where we don't see much of it. So I won't congratulate you on Wish you all the best going forward and really appreciate you taking some time, mate. Uh, gentlemen, thank you. No, literally the least we could do. We probably could have made the episode oh, no. shorter, but outside of that, there's no way we could have done any less, I don't think. Uh, being fabulous. Like always, good to have you along. No terms and conditions this week, mate. I'm still intrigued by that. <laughs> no. Incorporate that into my work in the future. Uh, well, you know, Ricky's violated my terms and conditions with Tea Party. <laughs> but that's oh, you'll, you'll be hearing about that. Uh, but Ricky, like as marketing manager at, at Dunny Do, I, I'd uh, just advise you, you could look at rebranding to Dunny Dune. I think that if, if, if nothing else has come out of this podcast, there's that. You know what? When you get the vegetable garden, I'd be happy if you just had a little sign in there that just called it Dunny Doon, the vegetable garden. Okay. The club. Right. So yep. you go, call yep. it Dunny Doon. You, you're, you're angling for a plaque or something there. Look, I saw that, what they did for Tiger this week at Tory, <laughs> and I'll be honest with you, I do feel that it's uh, I've been underrated. That's enough out of us. Good, good, episode 80, done, dusted in the books. Next week will be episode 81, and we're looking forward to your company then already here on the Good, Good Golf Podcast.